Hello and welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast with me, Tony Jeffries, and Glenn, Mr. Six Figure Holmes. So Glenn gets called Six Figures because he's the most highest earned personal trainer in America. He's yeah. earned a fortune. And next to him, we've got... I say, I'm, I'm nothing today. He's nothing today. He's small change. Yeah. We've got Mr. Dan Pena, who we go, I suppose, call nine figures. Dan, how's it going, mate? Well, I was going fine. And uh, they, um, they crowned me, Brian uh, Rose crowned me, the $50 billion man, because I've created $50 billion for people just like you. I don't know about him exactly, but they do. <laughs> I haven't seen any of it yet. Okay, well, well I just got here 20 right. minutes ago. All right. And the, the, the amazing thing is you went from 820 to two to $450 million, right? Correct. Can you tell me a little bit how, how that happened, how you went from the ghetto in East LA to earning a shit ton of well, money? Well, uh, about 20 miles from here, West, or East, excuse me, I come from the barrio in East L.A., uh, and, the, um, and I got in a lot of trouble, uh, arrested five times uh, in jail, etc. And uh, uh, fortunately for me, my dad was a copper, and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, uh, they beat me in jail, and then they released me, then he beat me. And so the, um, but uh, I uh, joined the, the military in, uh, as a 20-year-old in uh, 1966, about 50 years ago. Okay, and uh, to uh, because I was either prison or the military. Yeah, they used to kind of give you that option in the old days. I'm not so sure they give it to you anymore. And uh, so I went off, and I was uh, as a private, and I came back as an officer. And it was so the only high performance thing I'd ever done. I was a shit athlete, uh, although I used to like to fight. I was a shit athlete, and uh, the uh, I wasn't very coordinated. Uh, and the uh, but when I went off to the military. I saw that I could uh, compete, uh, even though I thought I was a poor athlete. Physically, I could compete with anybody, and um, and uh, one of the, my traits was that I wasn't afraid, and that's a big plus when yeah. bu they're shooting bullets at you. Mentally strong, right? Correct, mentally strong, and that that's because of my dad, uh, who uh, was an alpha male hero uh, for real, and um, so I uh, I went off to Wall Street, um, and uh, where my initial training was. Then I went into the oil business, um, and I started my own company when the first time oil was at $41 a barrel back in the early 80s, and then it plummeted to 6 or $8 a barrel, depending on the indices you want to measure it by. And uh, I turned the 820 bucks into a $450 million um, empire where we were in the Gulf of Mexico, South America, the North Sea, UK, the United States, and Canada. And um, so... Uh, but that was through the oil. Oil, oil refining, marketing, drilling, uh, uh, construction pipeline, uh, and that was my empire that was based in Houston, Texas. Um, and um, we had uh, several thousand employees. We did very, very well. Uh, wait, wait, so, so let me get. So it wasn't through the stocks. No, no. Well, it was. I built the company, then I took it public. I took IPO. Right. I floated it on the London Stock Exchange. Right. Okay. And uh, the um, and the shareholders all made a lot of money. I made a lot of money. Uh, but you're sorry, you're, so I'm just keeping stopping you because I want okay. to understand. No, I want to understand. Sure. So you you built a company. Cr company. Do do Buying, uh, making acquisitions. So I buy an exploration company in Oklahoma. I buy a drilling company in West Virginia. I buy a, a, a production company in West Texas. And so I bought a lot of companies, right. including in the UK. Because if, well, you're too young to remember, but at that time, Mrs. Thatcher was privatizing companies, and they had just discovered oil in the North Sea right. at Argyle. 
And so yeah. I, was, I was taking advantage of that boom. And the primary reason that I went to the UK is because exploration oil and gas were hot in the UK uh, during that time frame, from the late 70s through the middle to late 80s. And so I came over and, and I saw an opportunity to find things, buy them in the US or buy them in South America, bring them to the UK, take them public, float them. Uh, and I did that. And in addition, I also floated them on the uh, Amsterdam Stock Exchange. So, you, so now, how old are you when you, have the, when you were worth 450 mil? Uh, 39. 39. How much of that have you still got left? Or have you got more? Well, I, I didn't come here to talk about my network, <laughs> but what, what I'm famous for is after that, I decided that I wanted to, just like your viewers, take kids like yourselves, and I call you all kids because I'm either old enough to be your father or grandfather, take kids and show them how to make millions, tens of millions, and even in billions. And I've yeah. created over 50 billion in the last 22 years um, with kids. In fact, I was talking to you about a, uh, a, uh, an Olympian guy, and I, because of your background, I was thinking about some of the other uh, guys that I've, I've worked with over the years. And uh, it's, a very, it's a very simple model. Uh, and um, the, uh, one of the great myths of life is there's not enough investment capital in the world. That's bullshit. That's not true. Uh, another myth is that it's not, it's, it, the game is rigged against people that aren't part of the financial community. That's not true, because I certainly was. I come from the East LA, the hood, right? you know, yeah. 18, 20 miles from here. Um, and so I've taken that knowledge and I've spread it across, you know, they tell me now I've touched millions of people. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've certainly touched, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands. Uh, and, the, uh, and, the, and the kids have, um, kids are easier to work with, and by kids I mean uh, not old people like me, because you don't know, you know, when you were training and the guy's telling you, you want to win a medal, you want to do this, you do this. You did it, right? Right. You didn't ask, no, well, well the kids are just like that vis-a-vis -vis when you're trying to create wealth. They know that I've created a lot, they know I started with nothing. Uh, well, we got that in common, we both got nothing. Yeah. Okay, and you, you created a lot of money, and now, the last 20 plus years, I've created it with regular people. Right. Not just, you know, sophisticated London School of Economics or uh, Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard kind of guys. I've, I've created it with just regular guys. Right. And that's just through mentorship, right? Correct. Business, like Correct. Business Correct. Advice. And all my stuff, guys, is free on my website. I don't sell anything. I give it all away, much to the, the, the chagrin of all the other guys that are in the business. I give it all away because I don't want you to use an excuse well, Dan's stuff is so expensive, I can't afford it. So I give it away the last several years. The only thing that I don't give away is if you want to come to the, you know, the, my, my very uh, exclusive training program that I have at my home, Guthrie Castle in Scotland, and then I give you the one-year mentorship for free afterwards. But 99.999% of all the people that have made money with QLA, I've never met, wow. talked to, Skyped, Facebook, nothing. I, don't, I wouldn't know if they came in here and they pissed on my foot. I wouldn't know them. I don't know them. <laughs> so um, when, you, when you say you do your, men, your mentorship at your, at your castle, right? It's at your home in Scotland. Uh, what exactly, I, well, first, who, who comes to that? And what exactly do they get? It's a week course, if I'm correct, right? Eight days. Eight days. So, so what do they get? So it's, okay. It's, it's, ten, it's 10 grand as well, right? Uh, pounds sterling, yeah. yeah. No, it's actually 12. Okay, 12 sterling. Um, First of all, we get a lot more people that apply for the, the, the course than we take. We take between 20 and 24 every other month, basically. 
uh, but we have hundreds that apply. So we look at your background. We look at you now if you, um, it's not that we exclude rich people because we don't do that. But if the, uh, we try our best to take the people that, based on our experience of the tens of thousands that we've trained, that are going to benefit the most. Right. Okay. It's like somebody comes into your gym here. You, you've got an eye. Well, he's got talent. Or he yeah. doesn't have talent, right? Yeah. And even though you want to help the guy that doesn't have any talent, but, you know, if this guy got, got a shot, does he this? Can he get a medal? So we want a mix. We want a mix of the people that have no talent, and we want a mix of uh, adding some people that have some real talent. And the, uh, uh, currently, uh, uh, one of my uh, devotee mentees is a sitting governor of Florida, Rick Scott. Was my lawyer? I trained him right. 30 years ago. I mean, um, we've got um, you know some pretty uh, illustrious luminaries, but we've also got guys that have kebab shops in uh, Manchester. We've right. got guys, you know. Uh, so when you say train them, it's it's all it's all a mental uh, game, no, right? Well, no, well, we give them the templates, the letters, the emails, the instructions uh, um, to uh, how, how do you get a, build a dream team? How do you find somebody? to uh, be your permanent mentor after my year of mentorship's over. How do I go and find companies to buy? But the, the, the primary thing is you gotta come with a dream. You gotta come with a passion. Right. And if they fill out the paperwork and it's obvious there's no passion, you know, yeah. you know the, I don't know how long you wanted to go to the Olympics or if you ever wanted to go to the Olympics, yeah. but you know, it's like um, you know, uh, guys that say, oh, for 20 years I wanna go get a medal or I wanna do this, I wanna do that. So we want people that have that passion because 12 or 15 hours a day working becomes stressful when you don't like what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, after yeah. three hours a day, it becomes stressful if you don't like what you're doing. And I, j I just told you the story. My wife and I went on a cruise for 10 days. I didn't leave the boat one time in 10 days. I didn't uh, get up in the sun for one time in 10 days. The only t two things I did, I worked out twice a day in the gym, and uh, I worked, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 hours uh, a day in our suite um, because I love what I do. I enjoy being the most successful high-performance coach on the planet. I enjoy that. I mean, um, my wife, if she was in, who's English, who you know, yeah. who's from Yorkshire, um, the, she would say that, you know, uh, if it came down between uh, Dan being the best high-performance coach on the planet and me, I wouldn't like to ask him to make that decision <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because it's really important to me. Yeah, you love it. What, what's, what would you say the biggest thing is what you see with the, with the average person when they're not, successful what's the biggest thing that they do wrong it's it's, it's the stuff between their ears because they have lived lived through listening to conventional wisdom that's not for me you know you come from manchester you come from liverpool you come from in my wife's case yorkshire i mean kids from those places unless they're born into money or unless they go to the best schools aren't, aren't meant to, to to be this high performance person we were just talking before this about how, uh, from where we're from, you're told that you you you're, you're kind of encouraged that you're nothing. Yeah. Unless you do things a certain way, then you're not. Gonna yeah, schools. We were talking. We done a podcast on education, and schools don't give people the confidence to go out there <laughs> and and do their own thing. They don't you you think that you're going to do what your parents do, which nine times out of ten or nine nine times out of a hundred is just go and work for somewhere else and, and do that rather than getting your Correct. own business. You haven't got the confidence to do it, yeah. right? And, and you don't have the self-esteem. And, you know, uh, you don't have the self-esteem because your parents didn't have the self-esteem. Right. And their parents didn't have the self-esteem. Yeah. It's like when I first came to the UK in the early 80s, uh, uh, coal mining was a big deal. And Mrs. Thatcher was phasing everybody out of it. But there were three, four, five generations of families that worked in the coal mines. 
Yeah. You know, if your dad worked in the coal mine, you were going to work in the coal mine, okay? Of course, now the coal industry is all dried up in the UK, so those people have had to, 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 to go find other jobs. But just think if those people had been told 40, 50, <coughs> 50 years ago, you don't have to be a coal miner. Yeah. You can be whatever. You can go to school. Uh, and the uh, educational system is, is pretty good in the UK. Uh, and uh, there are uh, opportunities available uh, for you to break out of those molds. It's like I come from East LA, the barrio, the hood as it's called. I was telling my driver when we were driving over here, he said, uh, I told him I was coming here. And he saw how I was dressed. Did you forget your suit bag? Or are you going to, no, I'm not going to fight there. I said, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to talk to this guy. Uh, and, uh, and he said, uh, and we started talking about where I was from. And I said, I'm from East LA, you know. Uh, and he said, uh, you're from the hood, the neighborhood, the hood. I said, yeah. And so, um, but if I had thought like my cousins and uh, all their uncles and aunts, et cetera, like they did, I, you know, I would have probably stayed in East LA and I wouldn't have uh, been uh, where I've been and had the success that I've had. And, um, but uh, my parents didn't have any goals for me other than to keep me alive until I reached the age of reason because I got in so much trouble. When I was nine years old, I tried to kill my uh, fifth grade teacher. Wow. Nine, ten years old. I'm not proud of this. I'm just telling you the story to show you how far I've come. Um, I don't even remember what he did to me now. But from the second floor of the grammar school, I, I, I was just big enough to be able to pull this, this fish tank, this, like this, up over the window. And I waited for him to walk beneath me, and I dropped it. Now, if that guy had wow. not moved about six inches, because I hit him in the collarbone and shattered his shoulder. But if I had hit him in the head... I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah. I'd probably still be in prison for that. Um, but that's the kind of stuff I did because all the other guys. And as you well know, I mean, uh, I enjoyed being considered the tough guy, right. you know, and uh, uh, wrong, wrongly. I'm not suggesting any of you should be tough guys, wrongly. And um, so we get down the wrong paths and we start taking, once you've made bad choices, you continue to make bad choices. Yeah. And it's very difficult to get off that. And what we teach people at the castle is how to change those habits. Motivation gets you going. Good habits keep you going. Jim Ryan, the great miler who never won a, a gold medal in the uh, Olympics for the 1500 meter, told me about 40 years ago, Dan, habits get you, keep you, uh, or motivation starts you, but good habits. But it's like, you know, it's like training. Um, the, uh, if I didn't train as much as I did, I'm 70 years old, uh, I wouldn't look like I look. And um, I don't feel 70. People tell me I don't look 70. Uh, and I can normally work people a lot younger than me into the ground. But I've been doing it for almost 50 years now. Yeah, nonstop. Just keep it going. Nonstop. I, I really feel like, Daniel, I feel, I feel like you're a rare breed. You know you're a rare mm -hmm. breed because you've, you, by the sounds of it, you've come back from this background that hasn't been great and with no motivation, no one for you to look up to. But somehow you've got out of the mold yourself. How, how do you get out of out of that, you know, how do you, how do you break free? How, how, does your, how does your mind tick to get out of that? It's, well, I, I did have a role model. My dad was an alpha male cop that used to, you know, they beat me at school. And back in those days, you could beat kids in school. You can't do that. I'm not suggesting you should beat them. <laughs> but if the, if, the, if the teachers beat me, my dad said, they only caught you for this, so I'm sure you did this, so I'm going to beat you too. Okay. I had dinner last night with my kid brother. My kid brother is the number two guy in the um, L.A. County Fire Department. He's the second highest guy in the largest fire department in the world. And he says, if he were sitting here, 
uh, Chief Pena, if Dad had beaten me as much as he beat, in my, beat my older brother Danny, I would have been more successful. But as my dad got older, he got loosened up on, his, on, on being so tough on the kids. And, uh, but he was a strict disciplinarian. He was extremely strict. And I'm glad. Uh, but I didn't like it at the time, and I rebelled. Yeah. And that's why I, I left to go uh, you know, off into the military when I was 20 years old uh, instead of you know, sitting around and drinking so beer. How, how, how but how does that translate from getting beat up off your dad to becoming... Because I, well, because I, I, I didn't want for what he thought of me to come to fruition. Well, right. I, I started getting big awards back in the early 80s, and they'd be interviewed on television, and they'd ask my father, uh, uh, you must be very proud of your son, Dan, blah, 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 blah. And my dad would look right into the camera, and he'd say, my son is successful not because of me, but in spite of me. And right. most people that are watching this, have they had any success that isn't because of their parents? It's in spite of their parents because they went against the grain, because your most parents want you to be what they are or were, because you, they want you to have a safe job. I just had right. a coffee with a doctor uh, before I got here, uh, a surgeon from Orange County, and uh, he's where 99% of the people, he makes seven, eight figures. 99% of the people would cut a deal with the devil tonight, today, to ha make that kind of millions a year. Yeah. But he's not happy. He's not happy because he knows he's capable of being more than that. You know, wow. which is, I'm just a goddamn surgeon that prefer, you know, cuts wow. on 40, 50 people a goddamn week, you know? <laughs> and I get paid a lot of money for it. But what, what am I really capable of? And he wants to be all that he can be. And, uh, What's your advice to that then? Pardon? What's your advice to him? Well, my advice to him is because I've worked with a lot of physicians, a lot of doctors, is what are you passionate about? Yeah. And his passion isn't the cutting he does. His passion is he would like to buy hospitals and make them more efficient and deliver better health care for less money. Okay? Right. And so we're going to, you know, uh, you know if, if he continues to listen to me, <coughs> we're going to buy hospitals. And uh, we're going to do exactly what he, um, he wants. And um, the, uh, because the health care system in this country, in the United States, is all screwed up. Um, and... Uh, Whereas I'm not saying that NHS is perfect, yeah. but the NHS is better, in my judgment, because I lived there for the last 30 years, than the system that we have here. Right. What advice can you give to, what, to, 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 to someone? What's your, what's your greatest advice to give to someone who's, who's wanting to, okay. to do it and change okay. their life? Well, there's two things. Number one, you are who you hang around with. If you go to the pubs and belch and fart with your buddies, that's what you're going to be 20 years from now. And you, you are who you raised you. The five, average of the five people that raised you, that's normally your mom, your dad, uh, your older brother, an aunt, uncle, a grandparent. None of those people were trained to produce high-performance kids. Nobody. Right. Unless you're Agassi and Steffi Graf's kid, both world-class athletes, yeah. okay, the chances are that your parents didn't know shit about producing one they knew how to produce you because, you know, that's easy. But they didn't know how to train you to be uh, all you can be and, and to be world-class. And most people understand world-class in athletics, okay? Right. They don't understand that same world-class is possible in everything you do. Uh, when I, I'm the same on camera and as off camera. Uh, I devote about 
30% or 35% of my time pro bono. I do it for free uh, because I want to see, you know, I want to, I don't like the term give back. That's to me is phony, but I, I, I want to assist other people uh, the same way that I was assisted. Right. And the, the system that I've seen that works, which is very much contrary to all the other success guys, which I don't consider myself, is the mentorship where somebody mentors you. So you find somebody that is where you want to be and has accomplished all this, either man or woman, and then you find them uh, and you come to them with your dream uh, and your passion and, and, and uh, assuming the chemistry is right and it's not always right, uh, uh, the rest is history. And what we teach people at the castle is how do you find that person? Yeah. Okay, because it's not so easy. How do you find that person? That was my next question. Okay, <laughs> and it's like the Tyson-Gus D'Amato deal, you know? Yeah. Okay, Tyson, by accident, with the greatest respect, Mike, found that guy when he was 13, 14 years old, when he was, you know, doing all kind of ugly things. Not dissimilar to myself, about the same age. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and Gus mentored him and tutored him. And then as that, and, you know, Mike will admit, I guess, I don't know, I've never talked to him about, it, you know, when, uh, when Gus died, and all that, all that stuff happened. He made some poor, <laughs> he made some very poor decisions. So you got to find that person, and you don't just—you're not just going to find them, you know, walking down the street, on the high street. I mean, you have to make a concerted effort to find somebody that you, that you uh, that you uh, you look up to. And uh, normally, that person is several years older than you, but they're successful in what you want to do. You know, if if you want to be an Olympic athlete. You don't go to somebody um, that is a junior high school, uh, let's take you an example, a junior high school uh, uh, in boxing and a junior high school rowing coach. Right. You know? Yeah. You, yeah. Go, you, you go to, you know, somebody that knows what they're talking about. And, um, and that's why in American sports, so many of these big-time universities continue to produce the world-class athletes year after year after year in basketball and football because the kids know, well, I mean, uh, University of Alabama, University of Southern California, Notre Dame have produced great football, American football teams for 80, 90 years. So why would I go to West Texas Episcopal, blah, blah, uh, and think that I was going to become a world-class footballer when I can go to one of these schools? Of course, you have to have the skill sets to do that, and you have to train, and that's your, that's your goal, and that's your objective. So we, t we show people how to do that. And more importantly, in the last 10 or 15 years, because we have so many examples of success now. I mean, uh, you know, uh, what do you want to be successful in? I want to be successful in tennis, okay? So w we have guys that have done it in tennis. What do you want to be successful? I want to be successful in being, uh, m making movies. What do you want to, you know? And because we've got this great uh, plethora of, of uh, success stories now, because most people in the early days of my coaching, They'd say, well, I can't be Dan. I don't have his communication skills. I don't look like Dan. I don't sound like Dan, et cetera. Okay. But now we've got three or 400,000 kids that have been successful. And they can't all talk. Very, very, very few of them can talk like me. Very few of them look like me, sound like me. Uh, and so now, but there's somebody that you can relate to. Right. And I was talking about, you know, when I, uh, Olympics, you know, and i thinking back about the Olympians that I've worked with. And uh, whether you're a world-class basketball player, I was talking about the Lakers. So we've got somebody in just about from A to Z that uh, we've uh, helped train. And uh, it's, uh, so we've made the job easier for you to find 
the mentor that can help you. Uh, we've got some world class, I thought until I met you, physical fitness guys. <laughs> um, the, um, but the, uh, and we've had, I mean, a number of, uh, you know, doctors, psychiatrists, lawyers, you name it. And we've, we've, we've had them come through the program. You've just said there about <coughs> if you were, uh, wanted to go to the Olympics for boxing, you wouldn't go and see the wrong coach. Why wouldn't, a, why wouldn't a, an Olympian come and see you to get mentally strong? Or, or they whatever? do. Well, they yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like you're, you're, you have more experience in that, that field. So what is it that you can give to these guys? Well, well the, the thing that I do, and some people say I'm the best on the planet, is I know how to get your head screwed on straight. Yeah. Because I was all fucked up. Right. Okay. I mean, how many, you know, how many kids are trying to kill their fucking teacher when they're nine, ten years old? You know? Yeah. You can't get much it's more. Messed yeah, yeah. It's messed up. Yeah, messed up. You can't get much more messed up than that. Especially when your dad is a high profile cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean, what the hell? Have you ever done any work in prisons help, trying to help them guys? Uh, yes, I have. Did it work? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Um, the, um, and uh, we did it for free. Uh, and, uh, but the kid, uh, I'm told, I don't know if this is true, some of the guys used what I taught them or what mentees of mine taught them to figure out how to bust out of prison, how to, yeah. you know, yeah. create more drug traffic in prison right. and stuff like that. And um, so the program ended abruptly. <laughs> I bet. Uh, Dan, what, what would you see your, uh, what you, like your daily routine now compared to, See, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, how much has it changed? It hasn't. It hasn't changed 10%. For example, this morning, I think I got up at 7.30. Um, I went to the gym. Uh, today, I just, uh, I did, I think I did 40 minutes of cardio. I came back. I answered emails. At 11 o'clock this morning, I had uh, a Zoom call, which is like a Skype call, with uh, a, a group of uh, mentees from, I think, June 2015 seminar. It's about 20 guys and gals on the for, and we go, go through the progress they made. In addition, uh, so we have monthly uh, conference calls, uh, video calls. We also have weekly reports where you have to send me weekly report to what you do daily, daily, right? hour by hour, you know. Uh, and uh, and you, read, you read all of them? I read them. I How read, many of them have you got to go through? I have, I have about 120 that I read uh, a month. Wow. A week, four times, four weeks. So I read about 500 reports a month. So you see what people do daily. Yeah, and I'd say, and I'd say, oh, Jeffries, I mean, you want this, and what kind of shit is this? How can you, uh, these two don't equate. I mean, who are you bullshitting, kid? Yeah. You know? So from, from there, so, you, so you'll, you'll read these, these uh, notes or diaries. We, or we, weekly, uh, weekly reports that are kept daily and that you send me at the end of the week. In fact, today's the day they send them to me. And then I get back to you in the next 48 hours, and I comment on 120 of them. 120. So have you got someone who helps work with you? No, that? no, I, I'm the only one that reads the reports. You do it all yourself? All myself. So, so because not, I mean, you type the emails as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, well, the emails, okay, let's say there's 70 things you got to fill out in a week. And so I go through the first 18 are fine. And then number 19, I said, who are you bullshitting? I said, <laughs> do this. And then you go through, and then another 18. You don't do everything wrong. Now, some of the kids do every single thing wrong. Right. I mean, the really f fucked up ones. I yeah. mean, the suicidal ones that ought to eat a bullet. They, you know, out of 80 things, they do 69 wrong. Okay? But normally, the kids don't do everything wrong. 
Right. Although we do have some. Mm-hmm. We do have some. And um, the, uh, we had a kid from Australia. Um, he was uh, uh, six foot nine, six foot eight. He, they, we measured him. He grew an inch during the seminar. <laughs> okay. He, he ate 10 to 12,000 calories a day not to lose weight. Wow. Okay. Was he fat or big? No. I mean, um, like him. Really? Six foot nine. Okay. Okay. And uh, his father was six foot 11. His kid brother wow. was six foot 10. And his sister was six foot eight. Wow. And sister he, was six. Eight. Huh? Six eight. Wow. And when he came to the, uh, over the holidays to the castle, he wore the same suit and, I mean, the suit <laughs> like this. And I said, uh, uh, Fabian's his name. Fabian, have you um, measured you? He said, no, I don't like to measure myself, Mr. Pena. It depresses me because I can't stop growing. He's 22. He's 22. Wow. And I said, uh, God, I'd love to be six foot ten. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, and um, uh, when I was a, a badass, people would have to pay me money just to look at me if I was six foot ten. You know? <laughs> yeah. I could get in a lot of trouble at six foot ten for sure. Did you make him cry? Hi, oh, yeah. Yeah. Made me cry. Because Dan was telling us that. That you've made a lot of grown men cry. Right? I've made them. I don't make anything. They do it themselves. Okay. Yeah. They've shat themselves. Hang on, hang on. They've shot. You've made shat. Someone, shit oh, their sh- pants. Shit. At least it's shot. No, shit. no. Shit. Shat, shat them. Shat. Yeah. Do they understand shat? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. They shit themselves. Okay. <laughs> they've pissed their pants. Okay. They've cried. They've passed out in the seminar. Brian Rose, London Reeler, cried. He went back to his room and collapsed on the floor. Wow. And for a lot of you, you know, I think Brian, I say this lovingly, Brian's a wuss. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, in my neighborhood, he wouldn't have lived to 15. Wow. In my neighborhood where I came from. And the, uh, but uh, MIT is a different environment. So uh, how, how, what are you saying to these guys? Like what you, you, you pull a, like a psychiatrist when you get the shit yeah. out of them. Is it, you, 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 you making them realize things that's upsetting them or, or what? Yeah. what? Well, see, with you, I'll give you an example. Um, I've read about why your boxing career ended. Right. Okay. I read about why you, you got a, a, a bronze medal. Okay. I read all that. Really? And you'd come in there and this is in private time. I don't do this in the group. Because you have private time with right. me. People are scared shitless, literally, about the private time. And you'll hear people, grown guys, 250, six foot six, and you'll be waiting to come in to see me, and you'll hear sobbing inside. And oh. it's not me sobbing. <laughs> it's not me sobbing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, the, and I go through some of those things. And, uh, the, um, and we don't send private investigators after you. But, I mean, uh, virtually there are no secrets anymore. I mean, uh, so everything that's, that's on the YouTube, you know, and Google, et cetera. Uh, and so we go in there. And so because when you, fi- to, 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 uh, when you come to the seminar, you've got to fill out about 35, 40 pages of very personal, not just financial information about your business, but about you. Right. Your five wives, your, your nine-year-old daughter that got knocked up by your, by your brother and all kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. And we've seen it all. I mean, we've seen it all. And so, um, and I'll say, well, don't you think that, if, you know, what do you think are the reasons why you're not more successful? And everybody's got a reason. Okay? And I said, do you really think that? Did you ever think about this? The universal, fuck, is you look down. Did you ever think about this? 
Did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about this? And by this time, tears are running down your cheeks, okay? And I say, you're just a sorry cunt, aren't you? <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, we rip them down the first few days down to their, the bone marrow. What's your, um, what's your thinking behind doing that? Why is that? Why because I use the Marine Corps methodology. SAS uses the same. I went to that training. See, I'm a frustrated 14th century military officer, basically. Yeah. And I know it works. It's not uh, politically... Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not politically correct by any stretch of the imagination. But it, I am not politically correct. Because yeah. I don't really give a shit. You have no idea how it feels to act as if you have no limits to your abilities. Right. The closest example I can, uh, vis-a-vis athletics, is uh, the old Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali in his prime, okay, believed he had no limits to his abilities. He had psyched himself to believe that. And he's not the only one, but I'm just, since we're in a, in a ring here, okay. And, but I, last time I saw uh, Muhammad, we were in uh, Heathrow at the um, Concord Lounge. And he, you know, he doesn't, he's not the same, you know, and, yeah. and uh, because of the Parkinson's or whatever he has. And, um, but he still likes to be called champ. Right. I don't think anybody ever gets uh, tired of that. Yeah. I yeah. guess. I've never been a champ of anything other than, I, you know, a champ of getting in trouble. <laughs> you know, I knew I was pretty good at that. And so we go through that and we tear you down and then we build you up. And there's 1,900 PowerPoint slides and I, about 500 of them are interchangeable. So at the end of every night, I go back and I say, you know, based on our conversations and, and the interfacing of the group, I say, okay, I got to make some changes because I've got to, I've got to hit some other points because these guys are either weaker than I thought or in some cases stronger than I thought. We had a guy, um, uh, a big um, power lifter, okay? And uh, eight, six, seven times a day, um, and he's uh, Persian. Right. Big guy, big guy. And uh, he purported to be really tough, okay? Mentally... Physically, you know, and um, but he wasn't. You broke him down? Like a fucking 10-week-old baby. <laughs> Ten week old. And then some guys will come in and say, I have no problems and this and that. And then they'll come in and they'll say, you know, one of the guys, um, he dropped out of medical school. He was going to be a doctor. His parents always wanted him to be a doctor. And now he's a successful construction guy, construction company, but down in the deep recesses of his brain, he wanted to be a doctor. And he knew it was a mistake to drop out. Right. He's kind of like a psychiatrist, right? Yeah. Psychologist. Yeah, but the, uh, I'm the Darth Vader of high-performance coaching. <laughs> well, so when you've uh, been working with these guys, do they see a big... I know you said that you do a, a year of mentorship after. Correct. After that week in the, in the castle... The, are they seeing results like, like that? Some people may have results the second, third day. They start calling their wife. They start calling their uh, business. Make this change. One of the guys, uh, a guy from, I think, Manchester, um, had a fi- he didn't have to do anything. He fired his father from his construction company. Wow. And well, because, of, I because we, we went through, I said, what do you think the real problem is, David? 
what about this? What about this? What about this? And he says, uh, all of those have to do with one person, Mr. Pena. And I go, um, and his sperm made you, right? He says, yes. So, uh, you know, and then you put an action list of things you got to do when you go back. And uh, just on the last, on the first um, Zoom call, I asked him, did you do the thing that we said that was the most important? He looked down and he says, yes, I did. Was it hard? He says, you have no fucking idea how hard it was. Do you feel better about it? And he says, yes. <laughs> I wish I could have done it. I wish I had the balls to do it years ago. Yeah. Do, do you also help businesses? Absolutely. Like rather than just the, 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 the business owners, do you help? Absolutely. Uh, the, um, uh, most of the guys double, triple their t turnover. Right. Right. Um, How can I double or triple my own turnover on Box and Burn? Okay. Well, I don't, I don't, I, I'd ask you, okay, I'll ask you, these are the kind of questions I ask. Right. Okay. What are the demographics of the, of the, the guys that come in here and gals? Okay. Meaning youngest to oldest, who spends more time here? Right. The age groups. Okay. Female, male. Okay. Kids, adults. Do you have father-son teams? Do you have, blah, 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 blah. I'd look at all those numbers. Okay. Right. Um, and um, I'd look at your, uh, uh, how much you charge? I can tell you right now, you don't charge enough. Right. I don't even have to look at the numbers. How? You mean just... I've been doing this 45 years. No, but you, you say you don't know how much we charge. Uh, but I don't care what you charge. You're not charging enough. We can put it up. Okay. If I was a fucking Olympian, da-da-da-da, uh, it'd be better if you were about six foot ten and you were <laughs> in the heavyweights or something. But, I mean, we, I can do with you. I can, I can deal with you. Even though you're kind of a scrawny kid. I mean, I can, I can deal with you, you know. I was asking a couple of my mentees are members here. Couple of my mentees. Are oh members. yeah, Monty. Right? Monty and I says, "How big is this guy?" Oh, he's not so big. I mean, he's about my size. I said, "Oh, he's a fucking pencil neck." <laughs> do, you know he, do you know what he said about you before you come in? He going, "I googled him and I, and I thought he was like a smaller guy. I just realized he's six one, two hundred, two hundred and whatever." Yeah. Two hundred ten pounds. Yeah. Fuck. Shitting myself. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I told I told Monty. I said, uh, "Have you ever been? Has he ever been in the ring with you?" We've done a little bit of training a while ago. Yeah. If I could knock Monty out. In a minute, I jump off the fucking uh, this roof, <laughs> and I'm 70, <laughs> and he's 34. Yeah, and he's ostensibly in good shape. Yeah, he's the captain of the football team at the Air Force Academy. He's got yeah. <laughs> Forget about it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Unless you're Bruce Lee. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Say it into the camera. Okay, when I was a kid, getting in a lot of trouble, and I'd go and pick a fight with seven or eight guys, you know, and uh, the um, if it was just one guy, I. I'd hit him. I wouldn't bullshit around. But it was a lot of guys that I knew that I was going to get my ass kicked. I used to go in and say, unless you're fucking Bruce Lee or you got a knife and know how to fucking use it, you're going to get hurt. And that worked. That worked 75, 85% of the time. I mean, and it makes so much sense because if some fuckers coming up to me, your size as well, and saying, listen, <laughs> you're messing with the wrong person. Like, all right, mate, see you later. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, what you do. And, and the most recent time I did it was I was five, six years ago. I'm in Panama, and a guy about your size, and he was uh, the Pan American Games or some bullshit, good fit guy, and uh, he was being abusive to one of my team. And I said, you got a big fucking mouth for the little, little like, I don't mean to be married, a little guy like this. I said, what about me? Now, he's 32. I was 63 or 4 then about the time. And I said, um, he's sitting down like this. I'm standing here. And I said, let's, let's go out in the, in the hallway. 
Now, there was 15, 20 people in the room. The bet was, is Dan going to let him out of the, get him off the chair, or is he going to hit him as soon as he, his butt comes off the chair? And the guy turned to me and says, I'm sorry, Mr. Pena, I, I don't want any trouble. Okay. And I go like this. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that night at drinks, when they were all drinking, the guys were saying, Dan was going to, he was going to drop it before he got out of the goddamn chair. And then he asked me, would you really hit me when I was sitting down? I just smiled. I said, you never stood up, so it doesn't matter now, does it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Dan, so what, what I'm realizing now, I'm, I'm just, I've just... Raise your prices. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I've just turned 31, and I'm not trying to mentor. Well, I, I help people younger than me, or even older than me. I've come from the Sunderland in the northeast of England. I've done some great things. And people look up to me and for, for that. But what I'm, what I'm realizing when I'm getting a little bit older is I'm getting a lot more knowledgeable, thing like uh, not a lot more wise. Now, you're 70 years 70. old. You're more than double my age. Uh, how You must be super wise and you've had so much experience in life <laughs> and not, not just in business. Can you tell me something what will help me and Glenn and anyone who's listening some mistakes that you've made, big mistakes that you've made, not just in business, oh, but in God. life. Okay. What, what, what I can learn from now, what, <laughs> what I, don't, I don't have to wait until I'm 70 okay, years okay. old. Okay, first of all, I've made many more times mistakes than I've done successes. People only focus in on the 10 or 15 or 20 things that I've made a lot of money at. Okay. Right. Uh, the, the one $800 into $450 million isn't my favorite. My favorite is $60,000 into $65 million in 99 days. That's my favorite. Wow. That's my favorite. Okay. Uh, but um, never underestimate how wrong you can be. I'm going to say it again slowly. Never underestimate how wrong you can be. You got mates that you believe in. Yeah. They would stand, stand behind you, right? Right. Most of them wouldn't. When the shit hits the fan and uh, the... Um, and a, one thing, fighting is one thing, but money, I mean, they won't remember your name. They'll bail out on you like a, a Scotsman on an Englishman, okay? Never underestimate how wrong you can be, number one. Number two, your families, while love doesn't get the job done, love, I'm going to say it again slower for the, the, the thick people from the north of England. <laughs> Love doesn't get the fucking job done. It doesn't. It de or as they say in Scotland, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Okay? The, what gets the job done is respect. More people respect me than love me. Right. Smart people are afraid of me. Smart people are afraid of me. Right. Because when I tell you, and this is based on my alpha male dad, when, my, when, when I tell you I'm going to fuck you up, I mean it. Mm -hmm. I'm not just flapping my lips like some pussy fucking guy driving a BMW. Yeah. I'm going to fuck you up big time. Yeah. And I'm not only going to fuck you up, I'm going to fuck your family up, kill your goldfish, everybody goes. <laughs> okay? And guys like me, and I'm not, I'm not attributing any of these things to Donald Trump, who I know, but I mean, when Donald Trump says he's going to punch Putin in the fucking face, he meant it. And what did Putin do six days later? I like him. I respect him. Right. Right. Okay. If Trump becomes president of the United States of America, 
God only knows who's going to be prime minister of the UK next time around. The whole paradigm, there's going to be a huge paradigm shift. We're going to go away from the Oxbridge, Eaton, wusses, wusses, to some ball-busting son of a guns. I mean, it's a la Thatcher, even though she did go to Oxford. But, I mean, we're going to go, we're, we're switching back the other way. Okay, the next thing that, uh, that I've learned over the years is that you find a, a, a great mentor. Some people can only find one good mentor in their lifetime. I've been privileged. I've had three great mentors. Okay, and listen to them. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. There's no need to make the same mistakes. And, you know, it's, it's like uh, one of my uh, superstars. Uh, I've been involved in at least 700 transactions in my career. And my, my, my marketing gurus say it's probably 1,000 now. Now, who would you rather have training you in doing deals and creating wealth? Somebody that's done 700 deals or somebody that's read 700 fucking books? <laughs> okay. Who would you rather have training you you're going to go to the Olympics, okay? Brian Rose, or, you, you know, I, yeah. I, can't, I don't know another. Uh, Sugar guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> who? Who? Okay? Yeah. It's pretty obvious. But it's easier to sell yourself short and not think that you deserve the Sugar Ray Leonard's of this right, world. Yeah. And my experience is all these big hitters, gals and uh, guys, are accessible. They want to give back. They, they, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, we had a, a guy who came to my 70th birthday who was a uh, um, a world class hockey player, and uh, the uh, and uh, I forget he and he says nobody asked me about you know the Stanley Cup that we won three times. I mean, they think I'm just an old git. Yeah. You know, and uh, I wish to shit somebody to ask me. You know, and um, and it's unbelievable. Another thing that's really important, kids, is that do something. And this is this goes for you and you and everybody, except for the little ten week old or whatever. Do something that scares you every day. You want to get out of your comfort zone? Do something that scares you. When I was going through my military training and the um, ranger training. There were guys that were really bad. I mean, badasses. But I was always volunteering, you know. I got carried out on a stretcher more times than I can count. But I was always volunteering because I figured as bad a beating as I got, I, I must have learned something from it. Right. Okay. And, uh, but I have a very high threshold for pain. I don't feel it so much. Okay. So maybe I could have been a boxer getting hit in the face. You know, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the face. I forget who said that. Some yeah, famous boxer. I, I think it might be Tyson. 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 Everybody's got a, a plan until you get hit in the face, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, what the hell happened? And um, the uh, he's another guy. They, uh, how tall is Mike Tyson? He's like five foot ten, five, yeah, yeah. five foot eleven. Okay, yeah, because I I remember seeing Mike Tyson win the world championship. I was in the second row in Vegas. Uh, and he beat uh, Buster. Was it Buster? Uh, uh, Buster. No. Uh, whoever he, he, won. he lost to Buster. No, no. Whoever he won it from. Yeah. And behind me was Sylvester Stallone, Danny DeVito, and a couple other. Uh, it might have been Cruz or somebody uh, behind me. And when the fight, he Tyson was hitting this guy so hard, the perspiration from the ring was slapping up on top of me from the second row. Wow. 
and I mean, it sounded, it was like thunder. He was hitting him with a fucking sledgehammer. And so when the fight was over, Tyson knocked the guy out, we all stood up and I turned around and I saw how little they all were. <laughs> and so now every time I see a movie, like when he played Rocky and he was supposed to be six foot two, 225, if he's six foot two, two twenty five, I'm eight foot nine, five hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always make it look bigger on the movies. Yeah. So when you see it do do something that scares you every day, do you do that now? Yeah. What 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 scares you? Well, coming here wasn't one of them. You know? <laughs> now if I had come with my gym gear, yeah. that meant that I wanted to go a couple of rounds with you. Yeah, I wish you did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, now that I've seen you, I wish I did, too. I mean, Jesus. You know? The, 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 the rumors of your uh, size have been exaggerated to me. No, but no, but I, want you to, I want you to knock Monty on his ass. Okay. I will when I see okay. him. Okay. Yeah. I will when I see okay. him. But he speaks very highly of you. Yeah, nice and, But guy. he says there's a lot of wusses. I mean, not to tough mean, guys are running around I mean, here. we're not, we're in West Delhi and not East Delhi, so it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. So what, what can I do that scares us? Okay, well, I mean, uh, okay, okay, I'll give you some examples. Do you, uh, do you advertise on the internet? Do you yeah. have an internet presence? Yeah. Do you got a website? Yeah. Okay, um, for just off the top of my head, do a promotion that if you don't get this many customers, you're going to lose money. Right. Okay. Yeah. And make it stretch it, make it a stretch goal. And I don't know, I don't know how you, you, you run the business well enough. Uh, uh, another thing is, uh, are there up and coming, any up and coming fighters here that are worth a shit? Right. Okay? Yeah. Tell them that you're going to train them for nothing. Get them in, get the cameras in. Correct, correct. Right. And even though that's taking your time, okay, and, uh, and you could be generating money, training people, whatever. Um, you, you, you're taking a risk. Yeah. Take, uh, take, um, take a risk. Does UCLA, uh, that's the closest school to here, I guess. UCLA, does UCLA have a boxing team? Yeah, we've actually got them training here. Okay, so okay. Good. But that's kind of what, what you've just said there. It's kind of what you do. Like you, you don't charge me to come here and do this. Yeah. You do it, and it's like building that awareness of Correct. your brand. And then, you know. So, so, so now, what, what do you do? Is the castle your main source of income? No, no, I don't, it's no, well, I mean, by your, by every, most people's standards, you know, it's income, but I mean, I haven't had to work for 35 years, that's I mean. Awesome. I love it, how you, I love it, how you see that, and that's like what we kind of see now, like, this is not work, we come here, it's something we would do, well, we wouldn't do it for free, but we, but we, 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 we do, do love it, we absolutely love it, and it's kind of, what you do, you see, you've just told us that you've worked you're working 12 hours a day, but at the same time, it's not. It's something it that you absolutely like love. It. Yeah, because so I don't consider it work. Because it's your passion, right? Correct. It's your passion. The, the biggest question I have is, why Scotland? Because when I retired <laughs> in the late... In, 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 with all respect. No, no, in the middle 80s... the money you had, I No, no, when, when, I, when, when I retired in uh, the middle 80s, I wanted to be near the home of golf, St. Right. Andrews. Yeah. And I, when I retired in 1984... I thought I, wasn't, I was really going to retire. I had made quite a bit of money, and uh, I thought I wasn't going to work anymore. Uh, but that only lasted about a year and a half because you could only play so much golf and uh, run so many wind sprints. Uh, and if, you don't, you know, if, you, if you're not going to uh, enter an event, I mean, you know, wind sprints then become work. Right. You know, and uh, the um, and so I, you know, I, I didn't need that. One of my kids that's um, uh, working on acquisitions, he just got appointed to the British um, triathlon team. OK. Nice. And he came to me just a, a, a mergers and acquisition guy. 
and he wanted to get more fit, so he started doing triathlons, and QLA set up a deal, a program, and so he got a, the, however they contacted you, a telegram or somebody called him, and he says, you know, Dan, they want, I, I'm going to represent Britain. From a year and a half ago, he couldn't represent his, his uh, flat block. Wow. Okay. And uh, the, uh, and, but I mean, he's, uh, and I, he said, well, how do I get, and he says, what should I do? I said, okay, who's the fastest in, in, in the, uh, the bike, the swimming, and the running? And so he told me, and I said, no, no, not on Britain's team. I mean, on the world. Oh, fuck. I mean, they, shit, they got some real guys. And I said, okay, that's your goal in each event. Right. He goes, now, he, intellectually, he's thinking he's an engineer. Fuck, I've got too many slow twitch muscles. He's going, running through all these permutations, why I can't do, you know, that. And I said, it's no different than you doing the times. We knocked two minutes and, and three minutes off of each of his time from the time when he began, and that's how he got to be represent Britain. It's the same thing. And it's the same thing with money. People ask me, and this one other thing, what, uh, a hint for them, take whatever your goals are today, financial, athletic, and multiply them times 10. Times 10. Because as successful as I have been, I set my goals too low. Right. But I thought those goals were astronomical when I set them. Yeah. And I said... But I was wrong. Yeah. It gets back to never underestimate how wrong you can be. Yeah. And you know uh, the, uh, the 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 changes because uh, uh, that I've seen in uh, just podcasts. You know, in yeah. uh, in the last year and a half or two since I've been on podcasts, and I've got a couple of them myself. And the ki the kids, the information is instantaneous. You know, and and the last thing I would say is read all my stuff. It's for free. I mean, everything that I have done, ever done, is for free, and use it, and then write me a letter or an email to my website, you know, I did this, I was successful at this. Now, women say that my stuff is better for losing weight than making money. Really? I've taken some 350-pounders, some big, big girls, down to 160. Wow. wow. And I mean, one of my superstars, I used to work out with 60-pound dumbbells. Used to use 60 pounds. Of course, for powerhouses like you, that's probably nothing. 60 pound dumbbells. And she and I used the same weights. Wow. And uh, we used to call her Burl the Thumper Crump. <laughs> what a name for a bird. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she, could, she could, I mean, her, I mean, she could squat. I mean, she's unbelievable. Dan, so I really appreciate you coming on, mate. My pleasure. Where, where, can, where can people find out more about you? DanPenya.com. DanPenya.com. And, and we'll, put, we'll put your website and, uh, and your, your Twitter handle in, 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 the, in the show notes, in the, in okay, the bio absolutely. as well. But uh, yeah, mate, it's been great and I really appreciate it and appreciate your time. And, uh, it's my pleasure, kids. Okay. And uh, uh, go out there and uh, not just make yourself proud, uh, uh, make them proud, make me proud, and go out and be all you can be. Thanks, mate. Okay. Thank you. Okay, and you know, I, I thought you were a little, but anyway. I might not be that tall, but I'm fast. <laughs> yeah, fast. <laughs>